What is up, Fathom Church? You guys doing good? Feeling good? Thank you to our band, man. You guys killing it. Just taking us in deep this morning. Just beautiful, beautiful time together. And uh, I'm thankful for you. Thankful for what God's doing in this season. We're going to dive into the Word and just what God's doing in this this new series we're in here in just a couple minutes. I want to make a couple of quick announcements and let you know about some stuff that's going on. One, uh, we're still waiting on uh, things to be finalized and our permitting. That stuff's been a month longer than what we want to be, so that is uh, taking place uh, here in the next few weeks. Hopefully, we're going to be in that thing and get her done. Everybody say, get her done, right? So we appreciate your flexibility and hanging in here with us. Um, while we get that done. And if you have made a financial commitment, go ahead and if you can, in the next few weeks, try to get that in. That's our cash kind of to get this project done. We are fundraised on this if all those commitments come in, but we're, uh, we're still a long way away on our phase two. So we're kind of holding, holding back on phase two until we get the funding for that. We can only go so far as our, our faith and finances uh, uh, will allow us. So we're going to keep going. Also, you see another big announcement that we are making today that at the end of this month, we're moving to Everybody say two services, two services. So we're excited about this. We really think this is going to be um, an awesome thing for a lot of a lot of reasons. One, you get more options. There's more things on the menu. <laughs> you know, you get you get two times, give you a little flexibility in your schedule. They're going to be identical services back to back. Uh, our service times will will uh, our actual services will be a little bit shorter than what they have been. So we'll be doing a 9:15, 11 a.m. to make way for transitions and kids and all that stuff. And so we're really excited about what this is going to mean. One, for us reaching more people, more opportunities um, to, to worship is going to create a little, more, uh, a little more room all across the campus for that. It's also going to help us care for, for you better. It's going to help us care for our guests better. Um, over the past like six, eight weeks, we've been having, uh, we've, we've had about 60 first-time guests in the past like six to eight weeks, which is a lot of guests. So that's like 10 people uh, per Sunday, uh, eight to 10 people per Sunday. So that's a, a lot. And so that's a lot of people to connect with in our current uh, setup. And so this is going to allow us in two services to really connect with one another better. You know, not just kind of be, we're not just really going for a big crowd thing. We really want connection. It's really going to allow us to be who we are better. It's going to allow us to create more authentic community better. It's going to allow us to be selfless servants better. It's going to allow us to show unconditional love better. So it's just going to allow us to continue the mission that we are called to do and who we are at a deeper way. We also think it's going to be an incredible opportunity for us as a church. We, we have just fantastic people who serve all through the week and on the weekends to make um, Sundays happen, to make everything that goes on here. Um, and one of the things with that um, in, in a lot of environments is uh, you know, folks are serving like one time a month, maybe for, you know, for, for a service. Sometimes in a couple of teams, we're two or three times a month. And uh, really, uh, the goal for us is about a couple times a month, just using your gifts um, to, to build up the body of Christ and whatever that might be. Even like, I don't have any gifts. No, there's a place for you. There's a place. Hey, I don't, I don't really understand all the stuff in the Bible. Yeah, it's okay. Like, we're, we're taking you along the journey, and uh, God loves you right where you're at, and he's got a, a place for you right now fit into the body of Christ. So we're really excited about this. To make this work, we are going to need some people to on-ramp. So I'm not talking about people who are serving already. Maybe you're, you're not connected, but this is home. God's doing something in your life here, and you want to see what God's going to do through this. We want to help you kind of figure out where your passions are and get you connected in passions, but we also have needs. Everybody say needs. We all got needs, right? There's a couple of places we have high needs right now, and that's in guest services and in Fathom 
kids. The beautiful thing about Fathom Kids, when we moved to two services, is one, you'll never have to miss service. That's always like one of those excuses, like, well, I don't want to miss service, and we don't want you to miss service either. So everybody that serves in kids will always be able to be in service as you worship one and, uh, and serve in the other one, attend one and, and, and serve in the second one. So there's a, a place for you, even if it's kids check-in, or maybe the older kids scare you, but you like the little ones, or the little ones scare you, but you like the big ones. You know, whatever it is, there, there's a place for you. If you're interested in, in, in checking out and, and, and just kind of seeing where your fit is in Fathom Kids, Jessica Miles is your go-to. She's over in that building today serving our kids so faithfully, and uh, we're thankful for all of everyone that serves in Fathom Kids. And, and I think the beautiful thing about going to two services is what we've noticed is people who serve more often get way more out of it. I think in our head, we actually think, oh, it's going to require more of me. No, I actually think you're more invested in it, and your relationships with those kids grow faster, and your impact grows faster. I mean, think about if you're a teacher in the room, if you were there once a week with your kids, what kind of relationship would you build as opposed to you're there with them every day? You can build a relationship very, very quickly. So we know that's going to take place in Fathom Kids. And guest services, that's ushers, that's our host, our hospitality. You say, I'm not really like talking to people behind the scenes. We got a brand new kitchen that you're going to be able to operate in. And you're like, you like loading the dishwasher. You like keeping things organized. You like making coffee. That's going to be an incredible place to connect. Or if you're the friendly, bubbly type, we got a place for you too up and to be a host on campus. So we're really excited about this. Thing's going to be a huge, huge um, impact in the life of our church and just prepping as we're transitioning facility-wise. We're going to transition service times. And uh, we've been doing this on our special days, but this time we're actually going to, we're going to jump into it for good and just watch what God does. And it's going to create a, a huge opportunity for us to invite folks and uh, let's, let's fill it up like this over two services. Let's, let's do that. And so uh, will you be excited about that with me? Can you get there? Can you get there with me? Yes. Some of you are like, that's a lot. I like my comfortable. It's 10.30. I'm very used to it. But, uh, but God's going to help us. That's why we're doing a series called Stretch Marks. Stretch Marks. We're stretching. Because uh, last week we really talked about this. Oh, if, if you're interested in helping out with guest services, Amanda Inman is uh, your director over that area. But my lovely wife, wave your hand, Taryn. Right there. Um, if you'll see her after service and just let her know, hey, I, I can help there um, or, or over in kids, let Jessica know. We'd love to, to get you connected on ramp there. We need about 10 in each of those areas. So that's a lot of folks. Um, so if, if you're not on ramp somewhere, we'd love to just help, help you get connected somewhere and, uh, and, and serve, make this thing go forward. And so uh, last week we started this series called Stretch Marks. It's pretty appropriate for the season we're going through, and, and not just as a church, but when I'm, I've met with individuals and when I've talked to, to folks, we shared this quote last week that um, there, is no, there is no growth without change. There's no change without loss. There's no loss without pain. And so in order to see the growth, there's going to be some change. There's going to be some loss. There's going to be some pain. And so don't be surprised by that in the process. Because I think the reality is that we all want to grow. We do. We want to grow in our personal life, and our spiritual life. I mean, that's probably why you're here is you want to grow. Um, but it, there's also something to, to be said that we all want to grow, but we don't all want to do what it takes to grow. Right? We don't want to change, which we talked about last week. And today we're going to talk about the hard reality of many times we want, to, we want to grow, but we don't want to face the truth. We want to grow, but we're not willing to do what it takes to grow. And so in order to grow, 
we're, we're going to have to be willing to change, willing to face the truth, willing to be disciplined, and willing to trust God. We'll be looking at those last two over the next couple of weeks. Today I want to talk about, about the truth and facing the truth. The truth hurts, doesn't it? Truth hurts. Uh, I, I think we, we all lie. Um, we do. We all lie. Uh, many times we just phrase it differently and we justify it. Because um, sometimes when we're running late, we say, I'm leaving now. And what does that actually mean? I'm getting out of bed now. I'm leaving in a few minutes. Or my phone died. Also known as... I'm screening your call, <laughs> you know? Come on, don't act like you've never done this. There was bad traffic, sorry, when really we didn't leave the house on time, right? Or sometimes we'll say, <laughs> somebody said amen. Um, sometimes we'll say, I'm fine, I'm fine, when really what we're saying is, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed, but you'll never know. Sometimes when someone asks us to do something, we're like, oh, let me check my calendar. Oh, no, I'm busy that day. What we mean is we'll be busy watching TV. We just don't want to hang out. <laughs> What's the last lie you told? What's the last lie you told? Maybe uh, you told your kids the ice cream shop was closed when really mama and daddy are broke. and <laughs> We just don't have money to go get ice cream. Or you don't want to. You just don't want to leave the house. So it's easier to say the ice cream shop is closed than to say I don't want to. <laughs> you know? Maybe you told your boss, I'm sick, when you just wanted to sleep in that day. Here's the reality is the more comfortable we get in spinning the truth, the more dangerous our lives become. Lying just becomes a part of our life until we, we don't even notice it anymore. In fact, as when I said we all lie, you thought, no, I don't. I don't lie. I'm an honest person. But we all spin the truth. We all pretend at times. It pervades our lives. It pervades our world. We're just used to lying by politicians and CEOs, by people we work with. It's in our workplace. It's in our homes. It's in our hearts. It's spread all over the place, but God's called us to be children of the light, to be people that live in truth and in freedom. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall do what? Shall set you free. Jesus also said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. Jesus said, you shall know me, and you'll know freedom. And tomorrow, this week, we are launching in our anchor groups a spiritual growth group called Freedom. And what it's all about, it's about getting to know our identity in Christ. And as we get to know our identity in Christ, our issues kind of start going away. We start experiencing freedom in things, and we've purchased these awesome books for you, uh, booklets to go through that um, with us this season. We're launching our groups today, so right after service, you'll be able to connect to all the groups. God wants us to live honest lives with an honest relationship with him. Uh, Rich Vallada said this, the degree to which we live in the truth is the degree to which we're free. The degree to which we live in the truth is the degree to which we're free. If we're going to grow in this season, we've got to stop doing two things. If we're going to grow and live in the truth, we've got to stop doing two things. We've got to quit lying, and we've got to quit blaming. I want to talk about these. To do so, I want to go all the way to Genesis chapter 3. 
Take it all the way back to the beginning. If you've got your Bible it'll, if, or your phone, it'll be on the screen otherwise. Uh, let's read uh, together. And here we see Satan's first appearance appearing as a serpent. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Uh, The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you'll die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When Jesus was talking to a group of unbelieving uh, Jews in John chapter 8, 44, what he said is that uh, the devil, Satan, is the father of all lies. When he lies, he speaks his native language. Anybody know anybody in your life who lying is their native language? We might call them a, a pathological liars. Others of us, we may frame it like we're just pretenders. We're just hiding. Something's taking place here deep within Adam and Eve in which they've been deceived. And, and I want to talk about that. But um, let me tell you an embarrassing story of my childhood. How's that sound to make a transition here? So my mom listens to our podcast, and I forgot to talk to her about this ahead of time. But I'm just going to confess on something that happened in my childhood through to her and to you guys, okay? So um, we need to make a deal, though. When I tell you this story, you don't look at your pastor any differently, right? Okay, and I'm just kidding. Um, so when I was a little kid, my mom and dad had left the house uh, early in the morning, and we were to catch the school bus and catch the old cheese wagon. Anybody ride the cheese wagon? Anybody with me? Nobody? Me and like two other people? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, there we go. Some more people rode the cheese wagon. All right. So mom and dad had left the house, and uh, me and my brother, there was, just, there was just two of us, we got in a fight, and insults started to be hurled, because uh, that's what brothers do. They just fight and just call each other names. Well, in the midst of our fighting and insults, yours truly dropped a bomb that begins with an F to his brother, okay? We were, we were little kids. I don't know how old I was, okay? But I dropped that on him. And what did he do? He goes running. He's like, I'm telling mom, because he was just waiting for this moment where he could, you know, get me in some. I'm running to tell mom. So he runs to the phone, the landline in the kitchen, and he's calling mom. And I run to the landline in her bedroom, and I'm picking up the phone, and, and, and he's starting to tell her, and I'm trying to speak over him so she can't hear what he's saying. And I'm like, Scott, please don't tell her. And she picks up, I'm like, mom, he's lying. I'm saying he's lying. And so he goes on and he tells her what happened. He said this. And he was younger than me, so I don't even know that he knew what it meant or anything to do with it. But I I, I tried to twist the truth and I said, I didn't say that word that begins with an F. I said this word that begins with an F. That was much more okay for me to say. What did I do? I, I, I lied. Why did, I, why did I lie? Well, I lied to protect my butt, of course, because I would have been in some serious trouble, and I don't even know if mom remembers that. I don't know if she knew better. I'm guessing she knew better. She's like, yeah, you probably said it. Um, but I lied to protect my butt, and the, the truth is we all lie for a lot of reasons. 
We lie to appease people. We lie to deny pain. We lie to avoid conflict, to avoid consequences, to maintain reputation. We lie to escape danger, to cover shame, to hold power, to be loved, to to make everybody think we're smarter than we are, more spiritual than we are. Let me go Google it real quick. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, now now I know what you were meaning by that. Um, The reality is that most of the time, the devil, all he has to do is deceive us and get us to believe the lie. And there's a lie that we believe, and it's the same one that Eve believed. She was deceived. Um, what's, the, what's the lie that Eve believed and that we do? The greatest lie that we believe is that God does not love us, and he's not for us. It's the greatest lie we believe, that God does not love us, and he's not for us. She believed that, if, that God was holding something back from her. The devil convinced her that God was trying to keep her from something. Not that God loved her and he was actually trying to give her something, an entire garden, creation, to be mother of her, over. And some of us, we carry some of these thoughts too. We think that God's out to get us. We, we, we think that we haven't danced well enough or performed well enough for God and so he's out to get us, looking to strike us or to catch us in sin. And we live in this fear because of our deception, because of this misconception that God doesn't love us and he's not for us. It's quite likely you've been trained this way through your upbringing, through a church you grew up in, through what you thought it was. But I want to come today and and know that, tell you that, that God loves you and he's for you. It's funny because we're fearful of the truth and Jesus said, I am the truth. And Jesus is God and God is love. So what we are fearful of is a God who is loving us. That's what we're fearful of. We've, we've got it all messed up, but let's be real. We do the same thing that Eve did. We buy into the lie that God's trying to hold something back from us. That he's trying to cheat us. He's trying to pull one over on us. That he's not for us. It's easier said than done. It's, it's, it's easier to lie than to deal with the disagreement. It's easier to lie than to deal with the conflict, to deal with the loss of reputation. It just, it's just hard, it's harder, right? But what happens is we become enslaved in this process. We, we, we carry back the yoke of slavery in which Christ has delivered and gave his life for us. For we carry that back onto us. And we're enslaved to uh, really this false perception of ourself. We, we, we've started a lie and now we've got to keep it up. And we're a slave to this false identity, portraying that we are this super patient person, or we're portraying that we're this super spiritual person, or we're portraying that we've got it all together financially, or our marriage is what we're portraying, and we become enslaved to this false image. But in the process, we grow lonely, really, 
really lonely, often depressed because we've said, I'm fine so many times. And we know it's not true and there's just this wedge and this brokenness that just begins to break our heart because we know we're not living in reality and the truth and we're not free. There's this wedge that begins to happen as we lie. The first wedge is between us and ourselves, as I talked about. The second wedge is between us and the person we've lied to. Maybe that's with a boss who, you guys had a good relationship for a long time, but then you, something started changing. They were lying to you, or you were lying to them, or maybe it's with a spouse in which you've told the truth, you just haven't told all of the truth. You've left out some details in which they might lose respect, or you're fearful of how they would respond to it. You've left out some details, and we grow lonely with someone laying in the bed with us, and we're, we're, we're lonely because we've lied maybe over and over again. And depression happens in this. And there's this wedge driven. I'm telling you, this is what the enemy would love for, for, to, to do in your lives is to drive a wedge between you and other people because something happens when we get together as the body. Two are stronger than one. Three are stronger than two. There's something that happens where, when we're unified as couples and we're unified as the body of Christ. We can do more and we experience joy But the devil, if he can't get you to believe a lie about God, he'll get you to believe a lie about somebody else and drive a wedge and begin to stir up disunity within the body between us that that something didn't go on or something did go on. Jesus said, the world will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. So there's this wedge between us and others. And then there's this wedge between us and God. Now, and if we are in Christ and we have received his grace, confessed our sin, believed on Christ, and we are in a genuine, honest relationship with Jesus, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. But I think the wedge that takes place is the same wedge that took place with Adam and Eve in which they were hiding and and not bringing honesty to the forefront And I think for us, this is what we feel. And what the enemy begins to do is paints that wedge that's between us and our honest self that's between us and God and and begins to bring shame and guilt on us. Like, God's not for you. You're in this alone. And begins to whisper things in our ear and get us to believe it. And he usually has to do it once or twice and then we repeat it for decades. We're like, the enemy is always against me, everything. No, no, we've just bought into this mindset. We've been deceived and we've bought into uh, the lie. But the truth is the one thing that can set us free. It's the one thing that can set us free. There's this story in the book of Acts. And, and the book of Acts is the, uh, the fifth book in the New Testament. And it's the Acts of the Apostles that really kind of um, takes us through the story of the early church, or at least in chronological order. We have lots of letters to the New Testament church, but this is really what actions happen. That's why they called it the Acts of the Apostles. This is what was going on. So the Spirit's poured out. We're early. Again, it's chronological order. By Acts 4, what we're seeing is the people of God and God's 
people in the early church are so sacrificially generous. From time to time, Acts 4 tells us that people would sell property, sell a house, and they would come and they lay it at the apostles' feet. Like that's extreme generosity for these people. And, and even in parts of the scripture, it looks at the New Testament church and says, even out of their extreme poverty, it welled up in extreme generosity. So this happened at the end of Acts 4. There's this guy named Barnabas. And Barnabas decides to sell property and bring it and set it at the apostles' feet. You can read it at the end of Acts chapter 4. He comes and he, and he sets it out, out there at their feet. And you can just imagine this in 21st century context, will you? He comes and brings it. Everybody sees it. And everybody's liking it on Facebook, commenting, and say, Barnabas, you're so amazing. Praise hands. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Share, share, share. You can just imagine that in our, everybody's looking on and be like, man, he's really, what a servant. We're so sacrificial. And Acts chapter five is here we get, there's this couple, this married couple named Ananias and Sapphira. A man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you've received for the land? And didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've, you have not lied just to human beings, but to God. And most of us, we've gotten comfortable with our little lies and we think we're just lying to that person. We're just pretending for their sake. We're just pretending for their sake. We don't want to deal with the consequences. And we've got reasons and justifications and all this time we're on a slippery slope. And what will take place here is when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what happened. Yeah, I would say fear did seize everybody. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out. As if that wasn't pointed enough, his wife comes in. Peter, like God has given Peter a revelation, what's called a word of knowledge. He's told him what the truth is, and he's able to bring this into correction. And Ananias died. Whether God strikes him dead, that's not exactly what this says. Maybe I had a heart attack. Like, oh my gosh, I got caught. I don't know. Um, but whatever happened, he, he dies. And, and then his wife comes in, and Peter confronts her in that, and the same thing happens to her, and they drag her body out the same way. And it's like, like we see all these miracles, we see suffering, we see the unity in the body, we see them devoted, you know, giving and serving. Well, why this like super heavy example at the early kind of in telling of the story of the church where somebody kind of painted over the truth, they brought the money, they just didn't bring all the money. Painted it, they kind of pretended, they kind of made it one thing, it was another. Why do this? Why even include it? Like, that'd be a story. If I was telling you our story of a church, I'd leave out that story. Like, the story will just be happier if we don't tell about that one time those people got struck dead because they're lying, you know? But God is, is saying something through this and saying something that it's not okay. We're, we're not just lying to human beings. We're lying to the Holy Spirit. We're lying to God. They lied for appearances, they, they, they lied for the appeasement of people deep uh, within their hearts. Um, they believed that God was not for them, that God would not take care of them, that God doesn't love them, that if they brought it all, God would not take care of their needs financially. 
They believe that God didn't love them. So they feel like they had to keep up this charade. And in Ananias and Sapphira are a powerful example. And God's speaking to his church that the church is to be marked by honesty and integrity, not deception and dishonesty. We should live in the truth. People see the facades everywhere. Many of you, the reason you've come and stayed at this church is because you said, I think the people are real there. They, they feel real. They feel genuine. That's why I'll tell you a story where I did something really stupid that would cause some embarrassment on me that I even forgot to talk to my mom about before this. That's why I would do that and, and put that out there because we are to be marked by honesty, integrity, not deception. Some of you have been hurt by deception where, in, in a church where they said the money was going to go to one thing and it didn't. It said that this leader was someone you could trust, and then they covered over his sin, her sin. Church is to be marked by truth and not deception. Stanley Hauerwas, a theologian, said this. I believe we lie often, not because we're liars, but because we're moderately good people, and we don't want to hurt anybody, anyone. And therefore, we often restrain ourselves from saying what needs to be said because we don't want to live with the results. You see, not all lying has bad intentions, but it all has bad consequences. The deeper the lie goes in us, the more comfortable we get with painting it a little bit differently than just dealing with the reality. And some of us, we, we don't even notice it anymore. We're so comfortable with it. And that's why it, it doesn't, slope gets slippery the more we go down it. And it just turns into one thing. And so I just want to tell you, God loves you and he is for you. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to pretend. God loves you and he is for you and he is drawing you into relationship. And he wants to bring freedom in your life. He wants you to live in the truth and be marked by integrity and not to just put on some show in which is, is painful and you become enslaved to this false sense of who you are. Instead of walking in the truth, if we're going to live in the truth, we've got to stop lying. Let's pick back up in Genesis chapter 3 and verses 6 through 9. Really tell us that she ate the apple and, and then, you know, of course, her eyes were open. They realized they were naked. They felt shame. And then let's get to verse uh, maybe 9 or 10. Let's pick up there. Verse 9, uh, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. First thing I, I, I want to address here, when God asks a question, where are you? He's not looking for information, and he's not, he's not starting an interrogation either. He's staging an intervention. He, he's saying, hey, come out of hiding. I know where you're at. You're not hiding from me. I'm God. Uh, he's staging an intervention that says, hey, I want to bring you out of the shadows. I want to bring you out of your loneliness. I want to bring you out of your depression. I want to bring you out of your enslavement to the false sense of self and into the reality of who I have called and destined you to be. If we're going to live in the truth, we've got to quit blaming. Adam has a PhD in it right here, doesn't he? 
He's got a PhD, and he says, this woman, you put me here with. He's like, I'm blaming both y'all. It ain't my fault. It's her fault and your fault. Like, you put her here with me. It's God's fault, and it's her fault. Definitely not my fault. Man, are we familiar with blaming in our culture. Man, are we comfortable with that in our lives. When Obama was president, we blamed Obama for everything. When Trump was president, we blamed Trump for everything. When the war was at the front of our mind, we were blaming Arabs. When uh, the Russians are hacking, we're blaming the Russians. And, and here's the thing about blaming is, is when we blame, let, let me backtrack. Do you know what the word Satan means? It literally means accuser. When we blame, whose work are we doing? I do it all the time. <laughs> Taryn can start thinking this through in, in, our, in our life. Um, we've got a back door. Our, our house is super old, and uh, the back door doesn't like really shut well um, by itself. And so um, the door gets left open, a lot, especially with three kids under seven years old, seven and under. Uh, the door gets left open a lot. And what's the first thing I always say? I don't close it. What do I say? Who left this door open? I want to know who can I blame? Who can I blame? You've probably done it today. This door is like a little bit creaky. It's a little bit weird. Who left this here like this? Who, who's responsible? Who can I blame? And see, the thing is, is when we, to quit blaming does not remove responsibility from other people. It brings me into a place of responsibility for my actions. And for my response, because a lot of us, we, we do things like this. We say, if my coworkers were better people, pastor, you just don't understand. If you worked in my environment, then I would have a better spiritual life. If they weren't so horrible, if she weren't wearing that outfit, then I wouldn't lust. If our culture just wasn't so sex driven, then I wouldn't struggle in this area. If my kids didn't drive me crazy, then I would be a better parent. If my wife had a different schedule, then fill in the blank. If my boss would just give me a raise, then fill in the blank. As a pastor, I do this. If people would just do fill in the blank, our church would grow. Come on, now, now, you, now you're with me? Like We do this all the time. If so-and-so, and we're blaming, and we're not, the, the enemy loves us to be blaming because the longer we do that, the longer we are not accepting responsibility in our own life for our responses. We just keep blaming it and keep putting off the growth that God wants to do in our life. If they, if they, if they, if they, if they. And this whole time, I'm just staying where I'm at because nothing's wrong with me. To quit blaming it is not to abdicate others of the responsibilities that matters, but it's, it's to own my life and my responsibility to live in the truth with who God has called me to be, that we are responsible for our actions and response, and to live in the truth. And, and many times, sometimes we're at fault, sometimes we're not, but, but we live in this blame game and it's, it's constantly someone else's fault. The reason our world is like this, it's these millennials. It's the government, it's like you fill in the blank so-and-so. Is there responsibility out there? Yeah. There's a plenty of responsibility and plenty of blame to go. But when we're blaming, we're doing the work of the devil. That's heavy. I know. 
And, and most of all, we're not being Christ-like. See, blame is about self-preservation. And love is about self-denial. Love is about self-denial. And if we're going to grow in our relationship with Christ and become more like Christ, then we must love and we, not, can't, we can't keep blaming and love at the same time. We can't keep looking out for numero, uh, numero uno one. Numero uno one, I said one twice. Anyway, um, that's what I get for speaking Spanglish. But, um, but love is about self-denial. Jesus willingly gave himself. Was he guilty? No. He was blameless. He was in a victim. He willingly gave himself for our sins. Went to the cross. I want to help you out of this. The band can come. I'm going to give you just a few thoughts, and we're going to have an opportunity to respond in our life. God wants us to live in the truth. He wants us to be free. He wants us to have lives that are marked by honesty. But the longer we lie, the longer we pretend, the longer we're blaming others, we are not growing and walking in the truth. I want to give you just a few confessions to make this morning. first confession I think we need to make is, God, forgive me. I messed up. Many times, what makes lying worse when you keep lying? (laughs) We lie to cover the lie, and it just gets worse and worse. I always tell my kids when I'm correcting them, hey, if you'll just come out and tell me the truth now, the consequences are going to be a lot worse. Anybody ever said that to your kids? I say that all the time. If you'll just come and get honest with me right now, things are going to get a lot easier. So we need to, we need to confess and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me, God. I've made a mistake. Keep blaming everybody else. Keep blaming this person. Second confession is, God, save me. Similar to what the prayer Jesus led us in, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's just saying, God, I'm weak. I'm weak, and I need you to come save me, to help me walk in truth and freedom when I just want to make everybody happy. Help me to walk in truth, who I really am, where I'm really at. God, help me walk in the truth. One of my favorite songs, Come Thou Fount prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. God, save me. I know, God, I can wander so quickly away from you. Save me. And the third one is bless me. That may seem like an odd one, but to be blessed at the core means to be accepted and loved by God, to have my identity in him. And when my identity is in him, I don't need, and I've been named and identified by him, I don't have to create another identity for myself. When I'm loved by him and I know he is for me, I don't have to hide anymore. He loves me. He loves me. Even if that person doesn't respect me anymore, he loves me. Even if this relationship does begin to, to, to break apart, I'm in the truth and he's for me. Whatever the cost, he wants us to live in the truth and the truth will set 
us free. For the next few minutes, this band's going to lead us. And they're just going to lead us in a simple song that just says, God, I want to set my heart on you. I want to set my eyes, set my focus on you. And as we do that, I just pray that we'd come to a place to make a confession this morning. God, forgive me. I'm not going to do that for you. I can't do that for you, but, but you can do that in your own life. God, save me. I, I know, like, I've been keeping up this lie, and I'm going to try to go back into it tomorrow, and just help me, help me walk in freedom and truth. Bless me, God. Help me to walk in the identity and calling that you have placed on my life. I want to know freedom. I want to know it today. The next few minutes are going to lead us, and I want you to stand this morning. Let's respond in faith. Let's respond. Let's stand. I want to pray over you, uh, and they're going to lead us. There's going to be somebody at each of the crosses. Um, We'd love to pray with you in this time. This is the time for you to respond. If you just want to come and, and just kneel here, maybe you want to kneel at your seat. And say, God, forgive me. Save me. If you need somebody to pray with you, we'd love to pray with you. Let's make a move towards truth and honesty to be people of integrity, to walk it out on a daily basis. Holy Spirit, we thank you that nothing is hidden from your eye, that everything is revealed, God. You see it all, and you love us still. God, I pray that today we would come out of hiding, we'd come out of our pretending and walk in truth, walk in freedom, walk in an honest relationship with you. God, we love you today. You are the reason we are here. God, lead us on, forgive us, save us, and bless us here in this time in Christ's name. Amen.